and welcome to Sarah Week Agora Conversations. My name is Daniel Evans, and I'll be hosting this panel, um, the title of which is Innovation Cities of the Future. It's a vast topic, an exciting topic, and I'm delighted to welcome three, three great panelists to discuss it with me today. So I'm joined first of all by Nicola Farinato, who's Head of Innovation for the City of Turin. Hello, Nicola. Hello, Daniel. I'm also joined with Andy by Andy Icken, who's uh, Chief Development Officer for the City of Houston. Hello. Hello. And our third uh, panelist is Rashesh Modi, who is the Senior Vice President for Aviva's uh, Monitor and Control Business. So welcome to you, Rashesh, as well. Hello, Daniel. So let's, let's dive straight into it. Um, now, Rashesh, a question for you to kick us off with. Uh, Aviva has been working on smart cities for decades, uh, but how do you actually define what a smart city is? Very good question, Daniel. Thank you, I'll, I'll kick it off. So, you know, the smart city definition is all about how do I, I have a lot of resources within city. How do I make quality of life for citizen better, sustainable, providing a better quality of life? Now using digital technology, how do we enable all this better experience for citizens? And it's a journey. It's not like on and off. This city is not smart. This city is smart. The question is journey in number of years it takes for cities to go from existing infrastructure to next generation infrastructure. And this whole digital revolution, how does the city start doing this journey? And there are lots of different vendors, different solutions, different existing assets and infrastructure available. How do we continue to improve in this journey? And that whole path is all about journey toward digital resiliency using all this technology to make city do more with less and provide right technology to make quality of life for citizens better. That's how I look at it now. Great. I really like this concept of thinking about it as a journey. And uh, Andy, Nicola, you're representing two great cities with long industrial pasts, Turin at the, the center of Italy's automotive industry. And of course, um, Houston, the, the world's capital of oil. Um, the energy transition is obviously creating a challenging, challenging environment for both uh, car makers and oil companies. So maybe Andy, I'll start with you. Can, can you tell us a little bit about how Houston's journey and how Houston is adapting? Yeah, let me, uh, let me just enlarge on the concept. It's not just the city that in fact needs to go down and be part of innovation, but as was said, uh, so do the companies that are within a city to do that. And it really needs to be a collaborative action. Uh, we in Houston have uh, many, many collaborative relationships with companies. Uh, many of them offer some ideas to us, uh, but we reach out very frequently to try to draw from the best and the brightest. Uh, the energy transition that's occurring right now is a perfect example. Uh, what we have is some leadership that occurs from the city, from the Greater Houston Partnership, from others. But in the end, it's only going to be successful if there's an acknowledgement that this is needed for the future. And as we think about the economy in Houston 10 and 20 and 30 years from now, change has to occur. Change is occurring today. And that's what innovation is all about. How do we keep ourselves competitive with what's happening in the rest of the world? Great, thank you. And, and Nicola, what about Turin's journey from 
post-industrial city to, to smart city? What have you been doing in Turin? Well, I would like to start picking up uh, a couple of uh, comments by Andy. Um, comments about uh, the importance of uh, a global ecosystem, first of all. So uh, we're talking about a smart city, which probably is a concept dated 30 years ago. Uh, the way we like to see this is, of course, through a needed transformation because the new paradigms of Industry 4.0 of smart mobility are uh, taking off. And uh, therefore, what we need to do is foster smart communities. So to me, uh, I really like to describe uh, uh, the next step of our smart city as the, as the sum and the evolution of the smart communities we have uh, uh, around our territory. And those smart communities led by uh, inspiration, entrepreneurial approach to innovation and uh, um, the uh, uh, allocation of talent and investments that historically has shaped the city districts can now benefit from an open innovation perspective. In fact, public-private collaboration is and has a key role in my opinion when we speak about the city and uh, a global ecosystem uh, uh, around to uh, go through the different challenges brought by innovation and by emerging technologies. Yeah, that, that, that's really interesting. And I think these partnerships between city government and uh, the private sector seem to be really at the, the key of the smart city concept. Um, Nicola, maybe you could tell us a little bit about the, um, the, the Turin City Lab, uh, the innovation lab that you're running and some of the companies that you've been working with there. Absolutely. Uh, it's a great pleasure. So. Uh, Three years ago, um, we have started to rethink the positioning and the identity of the city of Turin with regards to its innovation strategy. And uh, we were uh, looking at the next stage from a living lab uh, experience to something new, to an evolution of this concept. So we decided to go for an experimentation city, a city lab approach. And uh, we have decided to go through this with the timing, which is clearly a startup timing. So we have taken 24 months, drafted a roadmap, and we wanted to onboard as many experimentations as possible in this relatively short time frame. What we did ultimately was um, executing about 50 experimentation projects involving different third parties and different innovators, both from our local territory and ecosystem, but also international ecosystem, quite a lot coming from North America, for example, and the contamination that companies and cities working together has been able to uh, um, create uh, has been really powerful for us. So today, Turin is uh, more like a home for emerging technologies. So the city is willing to have a proactive role towards innovation, focusing B2B, so the all enterprise and startup arena, B2C, the whole citizen as end consumer and end user of some uh, new services by the municipality, and also B2G, so local governments being affected by 
the choice of a smart city willing to be a city lab. So urban testing ground for innovation. Really interesting. So um, I can see that in, in, in Turin, you're really working with a lot of, a lot of startups, a lot of uh, different uh, technology companies, large and small. Rashesh, you're obviously working for one of the, the leaders in this field. Um, do you also collaborate with, with startups? Yes, absolutely. Very good question. I think Nicola brought a very nice, important ecosystem part of it. And, and we absolutely work with hundreds of technology companies as a providing our infrastructure to scale. At the same time, we participate in many city and government as well. I'll give you an example from India. India has a program for 100 smart cities, okay? And this program, we have done now four or five smart cities already done. We are doing a few more of these coming up. And some of them are greenfield site, brand new cities they're developing where the infrastructure is being built at the same time. And there are many of them at existing cities. And it's a, always a question about connecting people, assets, all the city services, processes, collaboration, and how do we help them governance? And many solutions, we come from other companies as well, like maybe camera company. We have a artificial intelligence built into cameras. How do we help them to integrate it? Maybe smart lighting systems, smart building systems, smart parking. I mean, there are lots of different variety of services required in city governance and city operations. How do we combine all of them together in a one cohesive displays and cohesive visualization? We specialize this one and we work with Barcelona, we work with many other cities as well. So absolutely, Nicola, that private and the public together and the ecosystem of technologies combined into one umbrella, one interface is very, very important. I want to come back and talk a little bit more about emerging market cities in a minute, Rashesh, but maybe just a, a question for Andy first on, on working with uh, uh, companies in the innovation space. I mean, Houston historically has been home to the most innovative companies in the, the energy world. Um, as the energy space changes and, and we see new companies come into that space, are you having to do things differently to attract them to Houston? Yeah, let me give you an example. Uh, we uh, worked with an, another part of this. We, we've dealt with this as citizens and companies, but academia plays a significant part here. And in this case, uh, in the innovation area, uh, Rice University stepped up. Uh, Rice uh, went ahead and uh, had properties they acquired. It was an old Sears store, and they've created a 200, 300,000 square foot laboratory that today houses people like Chevron and Microsoft that's just starting up right now. Uh, the city worked with them on some of the things cities usually do to start up uh, facilities like this. It's in a district that's halfway between downtown and Rice University, which is in the medical center. Um, and Today, that 16 acres is both this building and we reached out to an organization called Greentown Labs. Uh, Greentown Labs is a company from Boston that's very much involved in climate tech and energy innovation. They have now set up their second headquarters right adjoining Rice University's facility, and that'll be a critical part. But I'll add back to what Nicola said here a minute ago. We also concluded that if that was to be successful, we needed to relate to the broader community. 
Uh, we have negotiated with and we're working with Rice on what is called the Community Benefits Agreement. And many of those benefits that Rice will work with us on relate to the underserved parts of the city of Houston. Uh, the training and the capabilities needed to do coding, for example, uh, other items like that. So this is not just plopped in the middle of an area, but rather intended to be value added for the entire city. A very intense effort. We involved a lot of community people in that activity. Uh, we are in the final drafts of that agreement right now. I'll bring it to city council here in the next month or so, but it really makes the point that this, can, this change in innovation can't occur by itself. It has to be, as Nicola said, fully engaged with the community as a whole. Great, great point. And, and um, getting buy-in from citizens is obviously a, a huge part of uh, adopting innovative new technologies. I mean, Nicola, have you have you found that challenging in Turin? I know you have uh, um, you know interesting demographics in the city with a lot of students, but also an elderly part of the population. Yes, indeed, Daniel. Um, so there are at least a couple of interesting comments, in my opinion, here. First of all, um, uh, the, the city of Turin is more or less um, 1 million people, uh, a bit more than 10% are university students, and we have 75,000 uh, companies, majority of them are SMEs, so quite an industrial um, field, which is very active, uh, I would say sparkling with regards to innovation. Uh, there is another, another very important thing to mention here. Uh, it's clear that among our population, there are different segments or, and different awarenesses when we speak about innovation. So emerging technologies are coming most of the time, so with exponential growth curve. Um, and the capacity of, uh, uh, let's say, the less included segments um, within innovation is linear. So we will have a gap in terms of adoption, right? In terms of time frame of adoption and in terms of uh, 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 speed of adoption. So the city, in my opinion, has a, uh, the possibility to take a leadership role in segmenting the way different segments of uh, its most important stakeholders the community, the citizens, can understand, can digest innovation, and can turn emerging technologies into powerful new services for citizens and into opportunities for citizens to create new products, new services, and therefore new benefits for all the community. So we are at a crucial timing in history in which we have non-digital natives as less included portion of the population. And we have emerging categories such as Z generation, millennials, and, 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 and really the kids born uh, who, who will born in this time, um, who will lead the transformation of our future. So I think that the city can be in a way a system integrator for innovation and can uh, uh, be and an, an leverage the opportunity of uh, uh, 
digital and transformation for further inclusion in all our communities so that to, to turn them into smart communities. So, Andy, does that, does what Nicolas just said resonate for you in the uh, Houstonian context? Certainly does. I think this whole issue of uh, when we look at the digital divide that exists, the community in total, uh, one concludes in our underserved communities, that's the broadest of what exists. And we have many activities complementing what I've said that are trying to reach into the education realm uh, to use resources to try to close that gap on the digital divide. Great. So, Rashesh, I want to turn back to you and back up on something that you said earlier in the conversation. And you, you mentioned that India has a plan for uh, 100 smart cities. So my question was going to be, you know, is the smart city concept a rich city concept? But, but I think the answer is no. Can you tell us about some of the, the work that you've been doing in emerging markets? Absolutely. And you're, you're right on it. It's not rich city or poor city. I think the digital divide, uh, Andy also mentioned about it, Nicola mentioned about, and I think technology helps to remove these barriers and help them to how do we proliferate all the services faster. Like for example, many of cities didn't have cable structure and everything, so phone system could not get that fast. But when the mobile phone came in, it completely changed the thing because it come from satellite and every was, everyone was available with the services. So similarly, I think that digital technology is helping all these emerging areas very, very fast. Things you could not do for 25 years, they could achieve in five years, for example, whether it's a transportation system or water wastewater system or filtration system, the lighting system, all various city services can be very quickly take advantage of technology. And what happens in particular in India, where they are running this 100 smart cities program, perfect, Catalyst technology plays a role, absolutely perfectly, so that they are allocating certain amount of capital, the money from government and from private sector to get faster, better transportation, better quality of air, better water, better electricity distribution. All those key areas can go much faster. So this kind of services, now they're duplicating what, what we created as a, almost like city in a box in terms of services and in terms of technology solution. And you can start putting in the number of cities very, very quickly. And, and this is where local companies and local system integrators deploy. We provide the technology backbone and that becomes very nice way to proliferate very quickly on these emerging areas. So, so maybe a follow-up, Rashesh, I think that it's really interesting that you're seeing that um, technology is it really helping accelerate the development of some of these cities. But, but does that mean that, that some of these cities have to retire existing assets before their useful life is, uh, it, it, it runs out? Um, or can they le leverage the infrastructure that's in place? Very important question. I think this, actually this particular issue about existing infrastructure and is existing system in across all globally. It's not just within emerging areas. In fact, emerging area has, may not have all the systems. So cities and the government, the, the, the infrastructure and a lot of the aging has been implemented 20, 30 years back or earlier. How do you get more from those existing system? That's number one thing because you do not want to replace everything with a new system. You want to put 
Use existing thing, add a one more layer on top of it so that you can benefit of it. That's number one. Second part is existing infrastructure also helps to connecting and adoption very, very quickly, right? That's very important part of it. Third is budgeting. You, we do not have infinite budget to rip and replace. So there's always reason to get more out of existing system with less resources, right? That's very important in terms of less financial resources, less uh, people, all those things, how to get maximum throughput out of it. And the way to do it is technology literally can help. So most of the system we connect with is always existing system. The existing parking infrastructure is there. We put a technology backbone in. So now it has a full fledged, you can see how many cars going in, going out, camera, security, all these available tools you can put on existing infrastructure. And this goes for water wastewater. It goes for uh, parking, for signaling, all the various uh, system from health to emergency services to critical services. All of this thing, the key thing, keep existing asset as is, modernize it, add new layers to it, so you get more out of existing asset. Absolutely. Okay. So I think what I'm hearing here is that innovating doesn't necessarily have to be a, a very expensive business. Um, but, but I want to turn to you, Nicola, now and, and ask a question about some of the bets that you're placing with the innovation projects that you're working on in Turin. So um, I think you, you talked a lot about how uh, you've had to adopt a more entrepreneurial spirit at the city level. Um, does that also mean that you have to be more willing to fail or willing to the, some of your financial bets maybe don't pay off? Well, that's a very good question and also and also difficult at the same time. Um, we are trying to look and be inspired by the circular economy paradigm. So imagine that we have done in the last 24 months about 50 experimentations, right? So in the moment you decide to position yourself as a city lab, you definitely go a little bit uh, um, further in terms of uh, risk taking in, uh, so, so you have to accept failure of experimentations as well. But in my opinion, uh, there could be an interesting angle in looking at data, for example, um, outputs of a failed experimentation, which potentially could become inputs for another silos of innovation. So imagine that running an experimentation in, at smart mobility level may not exactly reach the metrics you have in mind just before uh, the execution, but could open up interesting opportunities at agri-food, agri-tech level, and so on. So today we have a powerful tool when we talk about experimentation. And, and this powerful uh, tool and approach is the combination between data we can get from uh, innovation and uh, urban experimentation and artificial intelligence. So the capacity to model those data and transform also what apparently is a failure in terms of result, uh, uh, extending the opportunity of using this data in another uh, project experimentation or another innovation vertical. So, uh, our vision is trying to explore if there is value to create in, in adopting a circular 
innovation approach for our smart city. So can we extend the life of an experimentation further because we use data and transform those data into inputs for other experimentations? It's not yet an answer, but it's an exploration we are going through. Okay, great. So I want to change the topic slightly now and talk a little bit about cooperation or maybe even competition. So, so Andy, um, you talked about the importance of cooperation between the city and, and the private sector, academia, uh, citizens, but what about other cities? Are they partners to cooperate with or are they competitors, competitors for talent and investment and, and, and com attracting companies? Well, the, the, the obvious answer is yes, they're both. Uh, and of course, uh, from a city viewpoint, I think our role often be, is to attract and retain and create a quality of life that does that for com companies on the same side. And I've made that speech many times. Uh, we devote a lot of resources in the city of Houston to enhance park space and the quality of life here. Um, I'll go back just a second here on, uh, I mentioned rice, I mentioned coding, I mentioned digital divide, but I think a city in the end has to look at the breadth of what the opportunities. So in addition to the work we did with rice and worked on what you could describe as higher tech kinds of things, we've also focused on things that one could describe as lower tech, maker space. Uh, we worked with an organization that took a 300,000 square foot warehouse and has turned it into makerspace for people to start up small businesses that may not be high tech in nature, but they do provide jobs and capabilities. In the end, the city has to look at the breadth of their entire community and there, I think, enhances our ability to attract and retain people from other cities uh, one way or another. So it really falls back on cities to look at the entire citizenry and what is it we can do to help that. Okay, interesting. So Nic Nicola and Turin, are you, are you looking at it in the same way, sort of expanding that breadth to position Turin as a more attractive destination for innovation, innovators? Well, I think that absolutely, I agree with Andy um, and this comment. Uh, I think, all our cities, in a way, are competitors and are um, going through a part of the journey, which in other terms could be an economy of scope. Um, find a positioning, find the smart city approach, which is better than another or better than the current one. So improve the state of the art by providing the opportunity to global talents to spend some time in a city for developing a certain part of the project and then moving to another city maybe to completing or advancing this project. So to me, it's more, uh, it's not more about residency in a city, but it's, ab it's about circulation. It's more a liquid approach of uh, 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 talent circulation. Um, in terms of Turin, what we have done recently, we have launched a program called Turin Reshoring. Um, and, the, and the reason we have done this is we have identified some niches of international companies founded by Italians originally, um, companies which have been established abroad, 
and for some reasons have been in touch with Turin recently for certain urban experimentations and have seen the opportunity of having at least an R&D branch here. So uh, this is a niche, again, uh, uh, idea and strategy and approach for attracting talent to create further value in the city. But to me in the future, it's going to be more horizontal. So cities providing a specific part of the journey, which we mentioned initially, and uh, uh, therefore uh, being competitors, but also identifying their best position in the value chain so that together they can create the complete journey and ideally uh, 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 exchange opportunities rather than uh, uh, steal opportunities each other. Okay, so Rishesh, is that something that you see in, in your work? Do you see cities exchanging ideas, um, exchanging best practices, learning from each other? Yes, actually, very good question. In fact, we interface with many, many cities across the global from, from Aviva perspective, we provide technology and we provide enable services to many cities I mean, all the way from Seattle to Atlanta to um, in Barcelona to uh, Middle East cities and all the way to Asia Pacific as well. So we have a very, very good global footprint to interfacing with many cities. And I think problem areas and problem domains are very similar, actually. Everyone has existing infrastructure, everyone has existing uh, uh, the systems. So how do we help them connect all those various systems, whether it's a, an ultimate question about change management, change management for employees, change management for systems, change management for uh, even citizen experience as well. So how do you go this journey step? And many cities, when we have our own uh, customer voice uh, 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 workshop and, and many cities exchange ideas, how do you do a particular system better? How, what kind of technology you use. You may be using some other innovation or eco uh, solution. How do you help them together? So from Aviva perspective, we want to help customers and the cities to combine data from various sources, combine information, convert data into information, to knowledge, to ultimate wisdom. How do you create this journey and a roadmap from one city to the other city? So I, I was talking uh, with the city of Seattle CTO, and they had a very similar challenges. In fact, during this pandemic situation, how does city kept all the services up and running using technology? That operational resiliency technology played a very important role because everyone was remotely working and how do we help them together? So I think the city's different experience and interfacing with each other and getting best practice, I think it's very important factor in, in exchanging ideas, absolutely. Great. Well, I think that positive note of uh, collaboration, cooperation is a great place to end. This 30 minutes has just flown by. Uh, I think it uh, shows what a rich subject we've been discussing today. Uh, from my side, I think a few of the things that I've taken away are, firstly, that innovative technology is, is friend, not foe for, for the city. Um, secondly, cities and city leaders need to be brave, they need to challenge the status quo, they need to be willing to innovate and willing to, to fail as they, they seek the best ways to innovate. And then finally, cooperation is critical, cooperation with other cities, with industry, with academia, 
uh, and, um, and also with the citizens, of course. So with that, I'd like to, to thank the panelists. Thank you to Nicola, to Andy, to Rashesh, uh, and thank you very much for you all for, for watching this session. Goodbye.